Just about every day, you hear a lot of talk about cutting carbon emissions. But how do you get polluters to move away from fossil fuels? Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. I'm Salwa Khan. The Citizens' Climate Lobby is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that has been trying to get a fee and dividend plan passed in Congress that they think would effectively reduce carbon emissions. The idea is to place a carbon fee on companies that burn fossil fuels. The money would be collected by the U.S. Treasury Department and then sent as a monthly dividend to every American. Presumably, the dividend would help Americans pay for the expected higher cost of fossil fuels, including gasoline and electricity generated by such fuels. The idea has been validated by several studies, but the legislation, perhaps unsurprisingly, is stuck in Congress. My guest is Kalpana Sutaria, a member of the Citizens Climate Lobby in Austin, Texas. Like other members of this organization, she's determined to change climate policy by lobbying congressional representatives and by spreading the word that people working together can make change happen. I wanted to start out by uh, just having you kind of give us a broad overview of what the Citizens Climate Lobby is and kind of what its mission and goals are. Citizens Climate Lobby or CCL is a non-profit, non-partisan, grassroots advocacy climate change organization focused on national policies to address climate change. We are all concerned about rising carbon emissions and resulting global warming due to this rising emissions. This is a major concern to us and to many due to all the climate events that we have been hearing about. And so it is becoming as days and years pass by, it is becoming an urgent crisis. Our goal is to pass a national bill called Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act. With this policy, the government makes fossil fuels more expensive and businesses compete to provide clean energy solutions. The resulting innovation will reduce our pollution by 30% in first five years and bring us to net zero by 2050. We will have affordable and reliable clean energy. That is our main goal. The idea, when you say that uh, the idea is to be net zero by 2050, does that... Uh assume that there's a certain starting point date? Um, yes, it assumes that, in fact, I think two years ago, mm. CCL had believed that this policy, two or three years ago, I think, that this had a chance of passing again through, not because you know the Congress was ready to do it, but through the Cleaner Act, they were trying to see somehow they can pass this bill. So 
it was from that point they were saying 2050. Right. Now, we have to wonder when it's going to be passed and whether 2050 is still going to hold up or right. not. You belong to the Austin, uh, Texas chapter of the Citizens Climate Lobby. How did you become interested in their mission? Was there any um, sort of event or something that happened that uh, sort of galvanized you to, you know, to get into this uh, group and to do something about the issue? Um, yes, um, you know, by profession, I'm an architect. And I have been working with the city of Austin in public works department as a project manager, managing building construction projects. And I had been involved for years um, in designing you know, with sustainable building guidelines. And this was my interest when I even studied in my undergraduate school in India. And when I came to the US, and did masters, my emphasis was always response to climate or design, uh, keep that in mind, you know, design with response to climate. And I have grandchildren and young people in my life I was concerned about. And that's when I felt that I needed to take action and not just working on the sustainable building design uh, as in the city. So that's, that's how I got interested. From what I understand, one of the uh, things that CCL members do is to connect with a congressional representative or perhaps a senator. Is that right? Is that how? It... Um, usually the members of uh, the Congress. So in, we have like, you know, like Texas has many districts and Texas 17 is where I live. And so constituents reaching out to the members of Congress in the House, US House, is what we do. We also reach out to senators, but I think we try to connect more with the House members because they seem to have more connection. You know, it's like your district and you, you are their constituent. So um, I connected with Congressman Bill Flores and with our gerrymandered districts, I had to drive two hours, more than two hours to his office in Bryan. Wow. Um, he used to meet with us. You know, every time he came to Bryan and we asked for a meeting, he was kind enough to offer these meetings, talk to us for 40, 45 minutes. And, and he, he agreed that climate change is happening. But I think he never agreed that it's an urgent crisis that needs attention now, or at least he didn't tell us that. You're listening to Mothering Earth. Uh, I'm here today with Kalpana Sutaria, and she's a, a member of the Citizens Climate Lobby in Austin, Texas. And we're talking about the Citizens Climate Lobby agenda. I was asking you about how you connect with your representative. But then when you, once you do, you're talking to them about the issue of the carbon uh, fee and dividend program, which is, as from what I understand, the one issue that you guys have been on for quite a while. Um, and so I wanted to go, kind of go through what is being proposed in terms of these fees on fossil fuels. 
uh, and the resulting dividend, which is paid to citizens. So uh, what, starting with the fees, what fees would be placed and on what? Okay, so it is a gradually rising fee on carbon content of fossil fuels to be assessed at the first point of sale at coal power plant, oil refinery, or gas plant. These are the three fossil fuels. And the fee would start at $15 per metric ton of CO2 equivalent emissions. And it is expected to increase $10 per metric ton every year. It could be higher, but at least $10 per metric ton every year. Um, it encourages people and businesses to substitute cleaner energy sources or find more efficient ways to use energy. Um, this, and I think you had asked who determines the amount. Yeah. So the exact okay. amount, the fee amount will be determined by the Congress. When they uh, approve this bill, uh, they would determine. And there are differences of opinion on that. For example, there is a group of Republican leaders uh, in something called Climate Leadership Council. They are strong supporters of this policy. And they would like the fee to start at $45 per metric ton. And there are some economists who believe that we have to start at a higher price to have a higher impact. Right. But CCL has uh, said that we will start low so that the impact on the economy is not large. And so I leave that to the economists as to right. how they decide. Um, and so uh, the program will be administered by the treasury department and a small administrative fee will be taken out, but all remaining fee will be distributed equally to American family. So by year 10, annual dividend for a family of four is expected to be $2,974. Um, it starts low, but then it reaches, it goes up. Yeah. So when it's low, the prices on fossil fuels is also does not rise as drastically. So uh, yeah, so that the the overall effect then is that the cost of uh, fossil fuels, which is, are we talking about the gasoline that we put in our cars or and or, you know, uh, fuels that are used to make electricity? Yes. So I think you had a. a that question that, so the consumers and businesses do not see any direct impact of the fee, but we know that the oil refineries, the, the fossil fuel companies, they don't like this fee. So they are going to pass that fee to the consumers. Right. And so uh, that's when the dividend comes in the picture that uh, it's CCL again has economic analysis done that people in the lower quadrants, uh, you know, 
I think they have estimated almost 66% of the population, lower and lower middle class, will come out ahead because uh, they don't use as much fossil fuels as you know, people with a lot of resources and money. And so they, they will have higher prices on fossil fuels, for example, gasoline, when they buy gasoline, that will be slightly higher. But then the dividend that they get will, uh, we are told that they will come out ahead on that. At so, least 90% of this group of people. Right. So the idea is that even though the price of gas will be going up and the price of, I guess, heat and electricity will go up, that your dividend would offset it. Correct. Okay. And this has been worked out by some economists, I guess. That's right. <laughs> so, so I was going to say that, you know, initially when I was involved, uh, you know, uh, about this policy, we had an economic, uh, I mean, a firm called Remi, Regional Economic uh, Model Inc. But also recently in 2019, the Columbia School Center for Global Energy Policy, and along with Rhodium Group, which does research, has done a complete analysis of this energy innovation and carbon fee dividend policy of the CCL, which is you know, exactly this $15, starting right. with $15 per metric ton. So they also have come out with similar results. They do say that initially this will not be exactly revenue neutral, but it will eventually become revenue neutral as you know, uh, go, uh, greenhouse gas emissions will decline. Mm-hmm. Air pollution will also decline. Electricity generation will shift to cleaner resources, cleaner energy. Electricity prices will rise but do not skyrocket, according to this Columbia Center. Um, the carbon dividend cushions energy impacts, especially for those in the lower income groups. Net government revenue declines slightly, at least initially, but it has a possibility of becoming revenue neutral late. Mm-hmm. So these are the findings recently by Columbia Center um, on global energy policy in 2019. You're listening to Mothering Earth. Uh, I'm talking today with Kalpana Sutaria, and she is a member of Citizens Climate Lobby uh, in Austin, Texas. Um, so we're talking about the, the plan of the Citizens Climate Lobby. And uh, so another question I had about this plan is, uh, I think you said the Treasury Department would be collecting the fees. Uh, but how do we know that the companies will be paying what they should be paying? Is there some kind of enforcement mechanism or review of, of income? Or, you know, in other words, how do we know the companies are doing what they said or what they are uh, told they need to do? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the way the whole uh, administration of energy systems is set up, 
is that US companies have to register themselves um, and declare the amount of oil, gas, or coal they process. And they have to declare how much um, you know, greenhouse gas emissions they produce. And you know, I remember Al Gore used to talk about this, that right now, all these companies, they throw this polluting emissions in our atmosphere, but they don't pay any price on that. You know, they are just, it's free right now mm-hmm. for them. But the, the point I'm making is there are some specific number of companies that our government already has, uh, you know, uh, they have registered with the government they provide all the, they're required to provide all this information. And roughly I was told that there are about 2000 to 2,500 uh, companies which control this whole, uh, you know, production of, at least in the US, mm-hmm. um, of coal, oil, and gas. And so that is something that they can very easily um, enforce. Um, at least that's what CCL has told me, that that's not something that is a problem because it's part of the requirement to report all this to the government. Uh, But then there are uh, different sectors of the economy. For example, the agricultural sector, which produces a huge amount of greenhouse gases. Are they part of this program? Shouldn't Shouldn't they be part of this program? Okay, so American workers who grow our food and keep our economy strong are very important to the American economy. So this policy provides an exemption for any diesel or gasoline used for agricultural purposes. Emissions from biological agricultural processes are not covered by this bill as it applies only to fossil fuel emissions. And you asked about the meat production in methane, mm-hmm. and it is a very big problem. Methane right. is you know, many times more damaging than carbon dioxide. But this policy, at least the, the current national bill, does not address meat production. Mm-hmm. I believe personally, it should have another bill for you know how we produce food and emissions from our food processing, but it it's not part of yeah. CCS this policy. Yeah. Well, I, I would say that's a huge hole because I mean the the meat production by itself produces huge amounts of. I mean I don't know how we get to net zero without addressing that. But that's my. I thought. agree. I I totally agree. And um, I I do believe that there are, you know, like we have had speakers, invited speakers who come out and speak on this. But I think they they believe that once we address this first issue, there are many bills that we need to have in order to address Uh, the methane issue and the meat production in particular. If this bill uh, gets through, what what do we think the effect on the environment will be? So the resulting innovations will reduce our pollution by 
30% in the first five years and bring us to net zero uh, by 2050. But, you know, we, we know that we lose life due to pollutants and pollution. Um, and that has a lot of impacts on human health. And the numbers are different in different uh, when they are reported about human health, but roughly 200,000 lives are lost due to pollution. In 2019, it was 200,000. Mm. So CCL estimates that over 50 years, we can save 4.5 million lives by replacing polluted air with clean air. Where is this legislation in Congress right now? And who who is supporting it? Who's opposing it? Is it a bipartisan bill? Um, well, right now it has been supported by 94 members of the U.S. It's introduced in the current 117th U.S. Congress, but they are all Democrats. You know, I mentioned the Climate Leadership Council. There are many Republican leaders who are not currently elected Republican leaders who support this. Also, 40 plus, um, I think 75% of under 40 Republicans support this. And so I don't want to say this specific bill is bipartisan, but it has support from the members of the Republican Party. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm here today with Kalpana Sutaria. She is a member of the Citizens Climate Lobby in Austin, Texas. Um, and so uh, if these fees became a reality, wouldn't some companies simply move their operations to some other country so they don't have to pay the fee? So uh, the Energy Innovations and Carbon Dividend Act includes a border carbon adjustment which will apply to carbon intensive trade exposed imports from countries that do not price carbon similarly. This kills any incentive for US companies to move production to a country that allows them to pollute more at lower cost. US manufacturers will lose no ground economically for producing products with a low, lower carbon footprint. And I, I just learned recently that, I mean, one thing I want to say that there are like 64 plus countries who have some sort of a carbon pricing scheme. Yeah. There are only two developed countries in the world who do not have carbon pricing, and that is the US and Australia. Hmm. So, European Union is getting ready to, uh, you know, have this border uh, carbon adjustment, um, some some form of it implemented starting in 2023. So that is not beneficial to U.S. manufacturers, U.S. companies, because they would have to pay tariffs. European countries began imposing a tax on carbon emissions as far back as 1990, with Finland and Norway leading the way. 
France and Spain began in 2014, and Luxembourg and the Netherlands in 2021. Their rates vary, but overall, it is proven effective in lowering carbon emissions. How about businesses? Are there any businesses that are uh, supporting this legislation? Yes, absolutely. There are 1,309 businesses have endorsed this policy. And uh, if I may, I would mention that, you know, in the hearing in the House Committee on Climate Change, uh, the uh, executives of uh, the energy companies, including ExxonMobil, Chevron, and others were invited. And they, of course, in public never say they believe this is happening, but that's the first time in public um, they admitted that climate change crisis is happening and needs attention. Now, their solutions may be different, but it was like for the first time they admitted in public. Do you think that there are new tactics or, you know, ways of persuasion that you need to try? Uh, yes, I think we do. I think um, we are learning as to how to connect with people. Because most people, you know, we, we are engaged in our lives and, you know, we have many other things to worry about. So to bring up the climate change issue through their sort of lifestyle. So if there is a, a skier, you know, uh, they are beginning to find that our glaciers are melting and mm -hmm. skiing sites are becoming. So they have become supporters of us. Uh, Faith-based organizations have found a way to reach out to them, their members, because right. it's an overwhelming crisis and people can get very easily overwhelmed and not do anything. Yeah. But if you show them how it affects them directly, like the skiers, then... Yes. It's more effective. Yes. Right. So what do you do when you get frustrated? <laughs> um, I uh, sometimes just take time off. I talk to my husband, who is he's a physicist, and he's a professor at the University of Texas. And he's, he's very good with, uh, you know, sort of responding to my questions. Because... <laughs> And, you know, I have to say that those who know a lot of science, sometimes they, they have very, they don't have very optimistic view of how things will turn out. So I have to constantly argue with, with him and with people I know, you know, why they would give up. And, you know, I, sometimes I take a break a few days and just not think about it. My hopeful sign is because of the young people's movement. And of course, everybody has heard about Greta Thunberg of Sweden, who has mobilized many people around the world. But what is happening on the campuses of uh, the US universities and colleges and also on high school campuses, we have like thousands of young people have formed their own chapters. High school students have their own chapters. 
university students have their own chapters. These are bipartisan groups and they think that they have to come out. When they start voting soon, some of them are beginning to, they are going to go to the members of the, to their representatives and talk about it. And this is the most hopeful sign um, that I feel that is going to bring about change. The Citizens Climate Lobby is always looking for volunteers to join them in their mission. And they are a national organization, so if you have persuasive skills, please consider that. It's a great way to become part of the solution to climate change. Their website is easy to find online. Thanks so much for listening. Please tell people you know about the Mothering Earth podcast and leave us a review on your podcast platform. Mothering Earth is also on Instagram at mothering underscore earth. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news.